Welcome to another edition of the Deliberation Sports Podcast. Coming to you right here, man. We definitely appreciate y'all for listening, tuning in, however you may be doing it. Wherever you downloaded this podcast, we definitely appreciate the support and the listen, man. So, got a lot to talk about on this edition, man. All sorts of stuff to get into, so y'all stick around. Um, but first, as we always do, we'll get right into it. Got the guys Justice Bolden, Ever Devote. Crew is here, ready to talk. Justice man, let the people know the rundown of the social media and where they can check out Deliberation. Well, first off, they can follow us on Twitter at Deliberation SP1, on Instagram at Deliberation Sports, and on Facebook at Deliberation Sports Podcast. We also have the Facebook group. It's an open group, Deliberation Sports Community, as well as the other uh, outlets, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Find, find us by looking at Deliberation Sports Podcast. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You can Google it. You do whatever you need to do, and you will find us there. We're everywhere. So, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. Yes, sir. So we're going to get right into it. Um, college football, right here at the end of the season, man. And as you know, always toward the end of the season, the biggest talk of any type of controversy is usually the college football playoff selection every week you have people debating who should be in the top four this that and the other but now we're at the end and we have the uh somewhat of finality there with the college football playoffs and let's uh we're gonna kick it right off alabama one clemson two notre dame three and oklahoma four oklahoma being the only one of the four with a loss, the rest are thirteen and zero, and Notre Dame is twelve and zero. So, that being said, gonna kick it right off, Evan. Man, gonna let you kick it off. What do you think about this final four? Um, I think with the top four, you could probably say that it was about as accurate as you could probably get it. Uh, you can make a case for Central Florida, but at the end of the day. Um, it's just a, a tough cookie for Central Florida because they're in a, a pretty weak conference when it comes to football uh, compared to the other five conferences. I mean, UCF, uh, they didn't have a top 25 win this year against nobody. Uh, when they played Cincinnati, Cincinnati had just lost and they dropped out the top 25. Uh, they built up on lesser competition in their non-conference schedule. Uh, they could have had a pretty decent game, but North Carolina didn't end up being nothing this year with North Carolina, but that was postponed due to the hurricane. And mm-hmm. you just beat up on bad competition. Uh, the most competitive game they had was Memphis, uh, which is a game Memphis should have won. But, I mean, they, they snuck that one out, and we know why but we won't get into it. I, I think that you could have made an argument for Ohio State. Uh, they had wins uh, versus Penn State, uh, Michigan, Northwestern, but then they lost to Purdue by 30. So I, I don't have a problem with the teams that were picked, you can't debate Alabama, of course. You can't debate Notre Dame. Uh, Chip Long, former University of Memphis offensive coordinator, has done a 
heck of a job since entering there with Brian Kelly. Uh, you, you can't you can't debate Clemson. It seems like Dabo just gets it done every year, man. And and Oklahoma, when you look at the wins they had, they they beat number twenty four Iowa State. They uh, only loss they had was to number fifteen Texas by three. They beat number sixteen West Virginia. Then they bounced back and and beat Texas, a team that beat them early in the season, number four by twelve in the title game. So um, it, it's funny to me though, Josh and Justin. If you don't have the Big 12 title game, you can look at making a case for Ohio State over Oklahoma because Ohio State had a better regular season win uh, versus Penn State than Oklahoma mm-hmm. did. So, I mean, a lot of people are, are asking for the conference title games to be dismantled, but I think that's probably what got Oklahoma in at the end. And I'm glad you brought that up, man, because I was just looking here. At a stat, uh, with Ohio State losing despite they won the Big Ten, as everybody knows, it's the third straight year that the champion of that league has not made the playoff. So is that beginning to be a problem? You know, because you look at, okay, you have a great resume, you win all these games, you win your championship, and then you still don't get in. I think it would have been even a bigger disaster if they would have put Georgia in, who lost the championship of uh, their conference, but of course they didn't get in. I'm just saying that this happened before, like last year, where you had two from the same conference get in and left out once again a, a champion of a conference. Should that be taken into consideration? Uh, I think so, but I, I do want to say this. Georgia shouldn't have been in. You, you're only granted one loss to possibly get in. They, yeah. they went yeah. to Death Valley with LSU and got stomped. Like stomped. Yeah, that, that team, if they didn't beat Alabama, quit saying that that's a top four team. It's not. They lost two games. So, and they lost the two games. When you get quality competition, you got to win at least one of them. You, you have to between LSU and Alabama for a lot of a lot of the season during the SEC conference slate. Alabama and LSU and Georgia were the class of the SEC. So, but check it out. But check it out. Georgia finished ahead of Ohio State in the rankings. Get the SEC behind. Yeah. That's that's my thing. Like, mm. you, you can't tell me Penn State can't play in the SEC. Well, Michigan beat them. You know, you, you, I mean, uh, Ohio State beat them. I'm sorry. You can't tell me that Michigan can't play in the SEC. Ohio State beat them. You see what I'm mm. saying? Like, you can't tell me these aren't quality teams. It's an SEC bias to me. And I understand it's football country. I mean, if you're if you the football committee and you want to make the most revenue, you better put as many SEC teams in there if you can because their fans travel. Period. Interesting. Now, all this being said, and I'm curious to uh, get justice in on it too, man. But I feel like you know, and I understand politics. I understand money. But every time you know, there's a conversation about the college football playoff. It seems like there's too much talk about stuff other than football. And other than just the bottom line, that's almost um, ruining it, at least to me. And I think a lot of other fans out there as well, uh, with a lot of conspiracy theories and things of that nature. Is that a bad thing, or could that just be the appeal of the playoff? Another thing to get people talking. Uh, I, I, I'll answer that one. To me, is is ruining it because it's a money grab. I mean, if you look at these network packages that these power five schools get, it's ridiculous. 
Yeah. I mean, these guys can literally uh, let's let's say for instance, the University of Memphis football team just got a new locker room. Mm-hmm. These guys can build new locker rooms every year with the deals they get. We're talking about the volunteer teams in these conferences just because of TV deals. Uh, it's a money grab, so it is ruining the purity of the sport. And a lot of times you do have teams left out that can possibly beat, beat the eventual national champion. You do. No doubt. I would have loved to see a bunch of Florida get in there and, and try to put up 600, 700 yards of offense on the SEC team. Would they do it? It's a possibility they won't, but I think it'll be entertaining. I know a lot of people would watch that game to see could Central Florida play with the big boys. Well, ironically, uh, Evan, this is just as you, you brought up a good point about that. We saw that last year where Central Florida, who was undefeated, the uh, conference champion of the AAC, plays against Auburn in the Peach Bowl. And uh, they yep. pretty much did the same thing that they did throughout the season uh, in 2017. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, UCF, they're, they're bound by their schedule, but – I think the the gap is further widening between uh, quote-unquote Power Five conferences and non-Power Five conferences, especially in college football. And the only way to eliminate that is to expand to an 18 playoff and guarantee that at least one non-Power Five conference gets an automatic bid into the 18 playoff. We'd only be talking about essentially adding one week because the conference championship, in my opinion, should be eliminated. And instead, you, you move into that eight, those eight, um, play, those 18 playoffs, and then we go with a final four and a national champion. So the final four, essentially, uh, it would be the next round, I guess, that you would add or adding the, the 18. But I, I think something's got to be done because we really don't know if UCF is not capable of winning two or three games against uh, these big-name opponents because, number one, we already know that they're not going to play them in a non-conference schedule. There's no way that uh, they can get Alabama on a, on a neutral field or even get uh, Alabama to travel to Central Florida or vice versa. So it, it puts teams that are in smaller conferences at a disadvantage. And that's a great point, uh, Justice, man, because you talk about – everybody talks about oh, UCF, they need to schedule better teams. If You know, and, you know if you see some of the arrogant uh, you know, analysts on, on ESPN, some of them, that is, uh, when they talk about oh, UCF, they want to do this and that. I'm not taking up, I'm not like a fan per se, but I'm just saying right is right. Big teams are not going to put them on the schedule because they don't, and they shouldn't because they don't want to take the risk. So I don't know if you can necessarily knock uh, or people should knock UCF for not scheduling tougher opponents. I'm sure they try. Home and home. It definitely won't be that. <laughs> I mean, who, no doubt. who wants to go to UCF and it's 40,000 people in a stadium that's made of aluminum and it's rocking? <laughs> 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 you, you, we were watching the game. You could see the TV, the, the television cameras were rocking in the stadium. So you can just imagine what it's like for those players who are, who are in that game. That is a, a difficult field to win at. And, and we've seen that they continue to win games, but uh, it's not enough to get them into the college football playoffs. And so we have a team that's, that's undefeated for back-to-back years. And uh, the best that they can get is what, a Fiesta Bowl matchup? Hey, I got something to add on that, though. It's by design that they're not in the college football playoff. Anytime, all right, Mackenzie Milton was a a heck of a quarterback last year, correct? Yeah. So anytime you bring back a really good quarterback, I know they they coach left from Nebraska, but it's hard not to put that team back in the top five, especially when you think they're going to run through their conference like they predicted to do, and they did. With them being ranked outside the top five in the preseason, that was the season even started. Yeah. 
it, it, it just was. That the the preseason rankings for them killed them before the season even started. It was just too much ground to make up, even with an undefeated season. They should have well, been ranked preseason top five to begin with, in my opinion. And that and that goes back to the bias that exists within college football, where you have uh, essentially experts or opinions, and as it relates to the rankings. And then once the first college football rankings go out, they're outside the top eight. There's no way mm-hmm. they can make up enough ground in, in two, three weeks unless the teams ahead of them lose not once, but twice. Exactly, exactly. And that's just, it's just not, you know, and then you talk about the uphill battle where you don't have enough quality wins to climb ahead of these other monster teams, you know, kind of to Evan point, Evan's point there. And uh, you're just kind of on a treadmill and uh, not able to, to move up. So, and Josh, I'll say, it's, this. I'll say this. The top four teams, I think the committee did get it right. But who's to say mm-hmm. that uh, number five or six, whether that be Georgia, Ohio State, aren't capable of, of beating uh, any of the teams in the top four? We already saw that Georgia really had Alabama on the ropes. And if they beat Alabama, maybe the o- Oklahoma's not in this thing. So, uh, certainly we've seen the Big Ten the last three years. They haven't gotten a team in, um, and rightly so. But where do we go from here? I think that's the big question. And the committee is not really discussing uh, expanding, at least now. But I would think if the Big Ten money can can really push some things, that's going to be the only way it, it can happen is that the Big Ten or the Big 12 consistently be left after the playoffs. And I don't see why they wouldn't want to expand. I mean, that just makes more money for everybody. You know, I mean, who doesn't want to see that? You know, now you're getting some underdogs in there to finally get the opportunity to prove themselves. You're getting that fan base in there as well. Well, Man, well there you go, Josh. Sense. That's your answer right there. So, so they're already yeah. making all the money. You don't, you don't want to give any underdogs money. So, I think, I think that's what it really boils down to. If you, if you expand right. the playoffs, now you got to share more of that money with a team that you really historically want to hold down. So yeah. That's really so basically, UCF is yeah. a startup team. They they that they've only been around for what fifteen years, I think around two thousand four. Mm-hmm. So to be where they are now, competing at that at that level is, is uh, amazing in its own right. Yeah, that's a real good point. Real good point. Speaking of that, um, going into one of the teams or the team that's number one in that ranking is the Alabama Crimson Tide once again. Uh, you know, I don't think to anybody's surprise in the playoff there. And ironically, I think if Georgia would have won the SEC title game, you would have had another situation like last year where you got Bama and Georgia. I guarantee you they both would have been in the Final Four uh, without question. But that is not to be so this year with uh, Bama getting the win in the SEC title game coming back. Uh, Georgia, which seems to be a trend, man. You got Atlanta. Blowing leads in the Super Bowl, the Falcons, and you got Georgia constantly blowing big games uh, when they could finally get over over the hump. I don't know what's going on in, in the ATL uh, down there, man. But nonetheless, so much going on with this game. And the biggest story coming out of it was Jalen Hurts. Yes, Jalen Hurts, the, the former SEC player of the year, had lost his job uh, to Tua Tagovailoa. And – here it comes. History comes back around. The same team to which he lost his job to um, in Georgia, he gets his opportunity at redemption, and it went down, man. Um, man, just you can't write a better script for how all this went down. Um, Evan, what say you about all that? I mean, <laughs> I'm not a Bama fan to, to start off with. 
Uh, oh, I, I, I get fatigue even listening to him. But when you see Jalen Hurts get a redemption night like he did, you can't do nothing but be happy for the kid. Uh, yeah. So many kids would have transferred in his situation. But it's still something to be said for kids to stick around and fight and, and not mm-hmm. give up. Because me personally, I personally believe that if you run away from every situation, it sets you up for failure in life. Because any job you're on, you're not going to always like it, but you're going to stick on it. So yeah. and it was so good to see him not only get the opportunity, but be ready when the opportunity was presented to him. So very happy for that kid. But Kirby Smart, I'm sorry. You cannot continue to be up heading into the fourth quarter in these big games and lose. I'm sorry. I know you were under Nick Saban. I know that's your guy. But you should have won the game last night. And I, I'm going to tell you this. Everybody had Tua fever all year, right? If Tua stays in that game, Alabama doesn't win. I mean, mm. he was 10 of 25. That's not too good. He only threw for 164 yards. I mean, we've seen a man throw for 300 yards and a half, it seems like. Uh, he had two two interceptions. I mean, he wasn't himself at all, period. So I strongly believe that if, if Jalen Hurts doesn't enter the game, Alabama loses, period. I mean, they weren't putting any points on the board at all. Yeah. Jalen Hurts came yeah. right in, threw a touchdown, and got another one with his legs. So, I, I mean, Alabama, to me, top to bottom, They've proven to be the best team in college football. And and the best teams have to learn how to win games like this. You got to win ugly games that you're supposed to win. But it was a very highly entertaining game. Uh, I just I'm just happy for Jalen Hurts, man, that he got a redemption night. And and not only when he got his opportunity, he was ready for his opportunity. Well, let me say this. Uh Kirby Smart did a lot to make that happen. Uh late in the game with that uh fourth <laughs> and eleven decision to go for it. And uh they, they just totally botched that one. So just so dumb. Yeah. Made no sense. But I, I'm big for a redemption story myself. So Jalen Hurts not giving up, uh, hanging with the program. Ironically, he had this uh, similar ankle procedure to what uh, Tua was going to have uh, just a few weeks ago back in October. And he comes back from that and makes an impact in, in a game when it matters most. And, and to see him get that end zone late and, and, almost pulled a Superman and opened up the chest. That 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 was big time. And so uh, certainly I'm not a Bama fan as well. I, I think they're the best team that money can buy. But nonetheless, uh, they they did what they had to do, and, and Jalen Hurts was a big reason. I mean, here we're talking about a guy who was a, one, at once an offensive player of the year in the SEC two years ago, mm-hmm. and he sits out. I mean, he's not sitting out, but essentially he's the, he's the backup quarterback for an entire season. But to come back and do what he did, uh, that that's that's something to to write in the history books about. So I don't know if they got to put a statue down in Alabama of him, but there's going to be something done when, when that kid is uh, all said and done at Alabama. Yeah, no doubt, man. The Hurt story is very special. There's no question. I was a fan of his, um, and uh, like all three of us do agree that we're not fans of Bama. Never have been. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to reiterate that uh, for the listening audience, but I look. I can't help but like the Jalen Hurts thing, man. And I felt conflicted because I'm sitting there watching, and I see Tua go down. And I'm like, oh crap! See now, here comes Jalen Hurts, and now I got to be happy that he's back out there. You know, I, I, I just I knew they I knew Georgia was not going to win, 
as soon as Jalen Hurts led that first touchdown drive, I said, it's over. It is over. And you, you could just feel it sometimes in sports. And like I, I put on social media, sports can be an amazing storyteller with stuff like this that happens. It's, it's just incredible. So definitely big ups to them. But I'm sick of Bama, and I hope somebody beats them in the Final Four. And I, I really don't feel too confident. Who, who is it? Are they going to play Notre Dame first? I'm assuming. No, they'll play Oklahoma. Oklahoma was the four, right? Yeah, Oklahoma, yeah. Oklahoma was the four. They'll play Oklahoma. They, Lincoln Riley is a hell of a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a hell of a young coach. They're not beating Nick Saban later, Alabama Christmas time. I agree. I was hoping that you know you 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 give me something different. Now, now, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I am gonna tell you this. I'm right. not against seeing another game of Alabama and Clemson, though. Oh, really? You're not? I'm not, man. Uh, if anybody could beat them again, it's Dabo. In my opinion. yeah, because I I don't feel like seeing Notre Dame come out there and. Fold. I got it. Just feels like Notre Dame will go out there and fold. Like, didn't we see them kill Notre Dame like a few years ago in the national championship? Also, like by fifty. <laughs> I don't want to see that again. I do remember that very well. And I think, ironically, that Notre Dame team was undefeated. I'm going to do that again. That Notre Dame team was undefeated, and Notre Dame has a, a they have a a trend of playing kind of because they're not in the league. So they have kind of a trend of playing like traditional schools uh, or they'll, they'll put like a pit on their schedule. And like they had Syracuse this year. Syracuse uh, end up being good this year, but that's not a traditional powerhouse in football. So no. that, those numbers can kind of be padded against very bad teams in time of Notre Dame case. And I think that year they got exposed. And why does Notre Dame get away with not having a conference? I mean, it's just I, I don't like because, it. because it's Notre Dame. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, okay, we'll see. I, I'm not going to say what I'm thinking, but it's all good. Uh, but on to another interesting um, championship game from Championship Saturday. The AAC title, a rematch of last year. Once again, another rematch, the second rematch we're talking about here in our championship games, UCF Memphis. Going to Central Florida, Orlando again in that environment, and Memphis comes out, punches them in the mouth, gets the whole city jumping up and down. They shut the place up twice with Daryl Henderson and Patrick Taylor. Touchdowns. Um, And you think, hey, here we go. But it all came tumbling down. Um, You know, evidently UCF went and got Cam Newton to play quarterback for him, (laughs) and he he just – he went ham on the Memphis defense, and uh, it just uh, – in the second half, that is. And so many things to say. But um, I'm going to start with Justice this time. Man. What what say you about what happened? Well, I think it was a tale of two halves. It, it, it seemed like it was a, almost a four-peat, meaning that we've been, this, been there before. Last season, mm-hmm. uh, UCF played Memphis twice, and one of the games was a blowout, but in the – uh, AAC championship game, Memphis clearly was the team that uh, probably should have won the game. I think that was the same case early in the season when the two teams met. And, and it seems that they're always playing it at UCF. And so uh, yeah. when you look at the combination of being on the road uh, in a packed house, uh, AAC officials who obviously have a lot to gain by seeing the uh, UCF remain undefeated 
and continue that call for uh, the AAC to be added as a, a power 16. That that's Those are just some of the storylines. But for Memphis, it, it was just uh, a tale of two halves. Daryl Henderson rushed for over 200 yards in the first half. He only finished with uh, 210 rushing yards. Uh, Brady White, we, 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 we talked about him all season. He's going to struggle when the pressure comes, and we saw that late in the game. He just struggled, and uh, anytime you, you collapse that pocket on him, he's got nowhere to go. Uh, he had set, uh, plenty of opportunities to run throughout the game. He just didn't do it. And then the Memphis defense is just atrocious. Uh, we, we talked about Daryl Mack, the uh, quarterback, who threw for 348 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he was 19-27, but he had four rushing touchdowns. He, he carried the ball 18 times, 59 yards. Uh, McCray, their running back, he ran for 206 yards. So it's not like uh, Memphis was able to shut down the run or the pass. Their defense is just atrocious, and I think that's something that Mike Norvell needs to address in the short term and the long term if he plans to remain uh, at Memphis because their defense is just horrible. Anytime you score 41 points on the road, you're expected to win, and instead they give up 56 points to uh, UCF. And Many people are going to blame it on the officials, but Memphis only scored three points in the second half. You cannot win a major conference championship game like that. And uh, This was major conference championship level football even if the AAC is not considered a, a power five conference, the way this game was played, it was at that level, but ultimately defense uh, was not really played in this game. It was almost a back and forth contest and uh, UCF. I think they pumped uh, Memphis down the stretch in, in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Evan, man, what do you think? Um, well, yeah, I'm just, let's just say, what, what do you think? Well, first of all, I, I'm going to say this. Mike Norvell, my guy. <laughs> Your guy? <laughs> you got to win a big game, man. I mean, Lord have mercy. I mean, I, I never felt comfortable even at halftime. Yeah. It, it, and I'm sorry. I know I'm jumping topics right now, man. Norvell, if you don't want to fire Chris Ball, I will. I will, I will politely go in his office and tell him to pack it. He's been here three years, and, and I don't even know if we know what a good defense looked like under that man. It, it, it's sad. You give up 35 points in one half, it's embarrassing. It is mm. – man, you're, the backup quarterback torched you for 348 yards. Torched that's not you. the first time that's happened. That backup quarterback did it before. I think it was last year. Yeah. And, and and just you said it seems like um we're always in Orlando playing because the AAC title game always goes to the conference champion with the most wins and the best conference record. You want to know why they always have the best record? Because Memphis can't never beat them. We folded terrible play calling by Norvell in the first game when we should have won at the Liberty Bowl. And I'm going to tell you something else. You're right, Justice. It is big-time conference football because I thought to myself yesterday when we was up at half, I said, man, this would be five wins in a row, I believe, for Memphis. And then we've been a beat a top-10 team. I think we probably could have snuck in the top 25 this mm -hmm. week. Snuck in barely because that would have been a huge win or we would have been right outside of it. And where if we were in a bowl game, uh, it would have been a top-25 team. It's, it's, it's just bad. Norvell was steady trying to run that Wildcat. They figured it out in the second half. You have to switch it up. 
you have to you have to switch it up. You got to start running more screens. You got to start running in and out. You have to do something other than continue to go to that Wildcat. When they figured it out, no more big plays was broken on the ground. You was getting two to three yard hitters every time, and that's what allowed UCF to continue to get their high explosive offense on the field. And they were just it seemed like the honestly the defense ran out of gas too, Josh Justice, because. Yeah. That defense stayed on the field so much in that second half because our offense gave you nothing. Well, think about it. When you're running that Wildcat and, and you got Daryl Henderson back there, I mean, he threw one pass for four yards. So it, it just became predictable. It was a touchdown, though. Yeah. 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 It was a nice pass. I was surprised. But um, Yeah, but you, know, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't thrive on, on trick plays in college football and think that's going to win you win your game. And I think Memphis just goes to that too much throughout games. And, and ultimately it cost them. And, and I think they've got to figure out, especially next season, how to get Tony Pollard the ball more. The teams aren't going to kick to them. That's one thing. But this guy is dynamic all over the field. And he's got to touch the ball more uh, moving forward, especially if, if what happens, uh, we expect that Daryl Henderson will uh, declare for the draft. You heard it here first. <laughs> Daryl Henderson, <laughs> I think, has played uh, his second to last game at, at the University of Memphis. Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you something, guys. You know, I'm, let me tell you this. When Henderson threw that touchdown, I'm thinking, you know what, Brady? Um, I think we're just going to go ahead. Henderson's already doing all the work, so let's just put him at quarterback and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, but in, in all seriousness, man, this is what happens when you make a certain decision and you have to stick with it. It bites you in the butt at the end. And that's what it was, man. They know Brady White's limitations. The defense knows it, and so does Mike Norvell. So why do you think all oh, this Wildcat? You let your best player get the ball. And I look, I, I, I ain't have a problem with it. But as a coach, you're supposed to adjust. You're supposed to adjust. You, Central Florida, they have a coach that adjusts. First, it was Scott Frost that adjusted twice on Novell. Now Josh Heifel comes in. Scott Frost probably texts and says, hey, Novell ain't going to change nothing in the second half. So you just keep – you just – all you got to do is make an adjustment. He's not going to know what to do. And well, guess Josh, what? Isn't it something? Isn't it something that the UCF backup quarterback is much better than Memphis's starting quarterback? I mean, this, yeah. this guy—he's all over the field. Uh, it's, it's, it's not even close. Memphis next year, if you come back with Brady White and you don't have uh, that great running attack like you did this year, and even though they have some options, I don't know if they decide to, to run Tony Pollard more, but it's going to be more of the same when you get in these tight games. Brady White is just not capable. Of playing at that level, you know, and uh, well, they, they, he actually should have gave up more interceptions. UCF dropped yeah. a couple. I, I hit you with this though, Justice. Mm-hmm. If I'm Darren Henderson and I'm his family members close to him, I'm not playing in the Birmingham mode. Uh oh, I'm not doing it. Uh oh, period. I'm sitting that one out, buddy. I got banged up again. I'm sitting that one out. I go show myself in pro days. Hey, you gonna do going up against a, a, a power five defense, uh, Wake Forest. Uh, you know who's had a solid season coming out the ACC. So, uh, I, you know what? I, maybe I'd be coming up with a mysterious uh, hamstring injury as well. Yeah, because <laughs> right. I'm White gonna leave him hanging on the on the string. <laughs> 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 I'm see. I, I sit that one out, man. If I'm close in Daryl Henderson camp, I'm well, I, I'll tell you the only reason I wouldn't. And I'll tell you why, because he's close to 2,000 yards. And that's just something that doesn't happen a lot. And so when you got a chance to run for over 2,000 yards, you go ahead and do it. 
Yeah, you so know. how close is it, Dino? Like, I, I want to say he's at 1,900-some-odd yards. I, I think he's very, very close to getting 2,000 yards on the season. I know he's over 3,000 yards for his career. Okay, let's if, – if I'm Henderson, I do this, okay? Let me see what the number is. Okay, if it's 1980, you know what I'm saying? You get you a 20-yard uh, bust down the field, you fall down, you know, just say you blew your, you know, your ankle or something. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm going to say this, man. I wouldn't touch it. Like, it, mm. if you're not from Memphis and, and like, that university doesn't uh, – everybody loves their university, okay? But that, that college doesn't give you, like, that hometown, you know, you got to do it for the hometown. My purpose is served here. It's time for me to go get paid. I mean, what, what, how bad would it be for him to get injured in a very meaningless, if you want to be honest, bowl game against a six and six Wake Forest team? Yeah. All right, I, I got the, I got the stats: nineteen hundred eighty-five rushing yards. He oh. averaged nine, nine yards a carry as a, as a, a junior or as a sophomore, thirteen and eighty. But this year he's up. As a matter of fact, he's over four thousand rushing yards right now. Wow, I'm sitting. Okay, right. I'd rather see my direct deposit. I'm sitting. <laughs> yeah, look, it's gonna be a lot more than two thousand. I tell you, <laughs> you know, and. I, oh, you I know really what? You know play. what? That was scrimmage yards. Don't let don't let me get get ahead of myself. So he he's far behind. He's uh at one thousand six hundred ninety nine rushing yards. That's what I'm showing on on uh, SportsReference.com. Hopefully they're up to date and added that AAC title game. So he would need one of those uh, Chris Johnson of East Carolina type days. Need one of those Bo Jackson days. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he <laughs> needs one of them. I'm sitting this out games, coach. That that's what he needs, and, and go get paid. So what happens to Mike Norvell from here? I'll let y'all two answer that first because y'all ain't probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen is nothing because I don't think he's going anywhere. I Look, I, whether he should or not, that's another conversation, but I don't think he will because I think he thinks he can get a better job. And I think he's comfortable now because he realizes, man, I can make a poor decision with the quarterback I can have a mediocre season and not meet any expectations, and they still are going to blame the referees for, for my losses. So, with that being said, oh, I think oh, – Oh, wet footballs in the rain. <laughs> it's, it's the wet. You know, they don't never play in the rain. They don't ever play in the rain. So, yeah, okay. Right, go, go ahead, guys. I'll let you all take All right. Uh, I'll say this. I, I think it's going to be too difficult to turn down the Power Five jobs and Norvell ends up taking one, which will pay him more than what he's making at Memphis. Right now, he's the highest paid uh, coach in the non-power five, but I I do expect him to take a job. I just don't know which job it's going to be. It's on me. It's, it's on you, man. Hey, you, hey, close it out, man. <laughs> he should, he better, and I hope, for his sake. What One thing about it, even yesterday, you already heard some of the fan base. I mean, you have some diehard Tiger fans who think he's just the best thing since whatever. But you already hear some, a lot of the fan base saying Norvell lost another big one. Let me tell you something. You can look at Gus Malzahn. Last year, he got a fat contract extension. A year later, he had a meeting with Auburn forcing him to lower his buyout, which is essentially mm-hmm. setting him up to be fired. 
whenever a fan base turns on you, the smartest thing Josh Pastner did at Memphis was to take that Georgia Tech job. Whoever calls Mike Norvell, and I don't care if it just puts him at a $400,000 raise at $3 million a year, you take that, you start off fresh, and you start off with a new cover. Memphis fans got very irritated with Norvell this year. And the second half of the season, they kind of got over it. But those losses to Tulane and Navy, fans was, was saying, hey, this guy can't coach. So if I'm him, I don't forget that. Because you're always a game or two from hearing that again. I leave at the first power five job that calls my name. I think he will get some calls. I leave. and I, I Because essentially, I've done all I could do at Memphis, if you want to be honest. I've won two back-to-back division titles. Since when have that happened in Memphis? Now, I've, done, I, I've done what I can do here. It's time for me to go have an opportunity to play on the big stage. And you know what else? It gives the next coach who comes to Memphis a chance to do what he has not done, and that's win an outright conference championship game. Yeah. And the good thing about it with Memphis, um, and I guess it's kind of a blessing and a curse, is the fact that you know you're going to get a lot of good um, young prospects wanting to get this job because the team's in a good position now. Best position it's ever been, you know, as far as reputation, recruiting, reputation, everything else. Um, so you don't have to sell the value of the program anymore. You you know that the, at worst the program can be a top twenty five team. There's a fertile recruiting base like none other, and uh, you're in a market where at least we know people watch football in the Memphis market more than maybe any other market in the country. Even though a lot of that may be watching SEC football, but it is a football market. So you just got to be able to come in and, and recruit and win. Hey, can, can I throw one thing out? I know we're finna close out. Can I throw one name out there? Okay, name. What you got? Norville Leagues. Look no further than South Bend. Go get your former offensive coordinator, Chris Long. Bring him back as the head coach. And and now he's not gonna keep the his defensive coordinator who's already on staff at Memphis, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, he, you know he fired him because he saw him, he beat him down um in Missouri. So of course. <laughs> No, you, you go you go to Notre Dame. Uh Chris Long who who left us uh two years ago. Yeah, to 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 go um be the offensive coordinator in Notre Dame. He's done a hell of a job with that offense. And if you look at Memphis trend, they go get the offensive uh, they go get the assistant coaches who are kind of trending up. They did it with Larry Porter, unfortunately it didn't work. They did it with Justin Fuente, offensive coordinator. They worked out perfectly. Mike Norvell, even though we've said a lot about him, the numbers say he's been successful. He was offensive coordinator at Arizona State. Go get your former offensive coordinator down there in South Bend, Indiana, and Notre Dame. Bring him back as the head coach. Yeah, and that's a great – and once again, that would be a great hire. You look at the fact that a guy that's coming off of, you know, no matter what happens with Notre Dame in the playoffs, they're in the playoffs. So that as a recruiting tool on its own is huge, let alone with Memphis' added reputation now. So that would definitely be the ideal hire if that happens. Uh, so hopefully uh, – we'll, I guess we'll wait and see we still have the bowl game and everything. But, uh, man, I think that's going to do it, man, uh, for another edition of the Deliberation Sports Podcast. This was a, uh, a fired-up edition, man. A lot of good college football talk uh, from all across the spectrum. And uh, we definitely appreciate y'all for listening, uh, however you may be listening. Wherever you may be in the world, you didn't have to take a, a time to listen to us, but we appreciate 
that you did. You hope you do it again soon. Uh, Justice, uh, as we do in the beginning, remind the people how they can get in touch with deliberation. Now, before I do that, Josh, so I'm assuming next time we meet, we name who we think is going to win the national championship, or do we go ahead and do that now? Uh, let's see. I'm looking at him. Uh, all right, Evan, go ahead. Go ahead, man. Go ahead and shoot, shoot it off. I already think I know who you're going to pick. Go ahead. Dabo, baby. Clemson. They're going to win it all. All right, I'm, I'm going to take Alabama, national championship. Nick oh, Saban, we're going to take the Come on, man. Oh, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible, man. You know, this man. All right, Josh, what's on you, man? What you got? Man, look, I almost, I almost don't even want to pick, but Alabama. I'm going to go ahead. <laughs> look, I'm going to just go all the way off the rails and say Oklahoma gets the upset, man. They upset Bama. They upset Dabo and they get the national title. Kyler Murray and company. You know what I'm saying? My man Lincoln Riley. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, there we go. I guarantee you if he win the national championship, Oklahoma's looking for a new coach next year. That guy be in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, coaching who? The Cleveland Browns, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, hey, hey. Don't. Hey. Aaron Rodgers is a very appealing quarterback to coach for an offensive oh. like him. There is an opening up there with the cheese heads and a uh, green bay. So yeah, that'll be interesting, man. But but okay, just as man, let's right, I'll close it out. I'll close it out. So <laughs> follow us on Twitter at Deliberation SP1. Follow us on Instagram at Deliberation Sports. And follow us on Facebook at Deliberation Sports Podcast. Also, you can join the open group, the Deliberation Sports Community. And not only that, but subscribe to via the podcast, any of the publications or outlets that are out there, including the uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We definitely appreciate it. Y'all for checking us out, man. We'll be back soon with another podcast. Stay tuned. Be sure you subscribe on any of those platforms as well so you can get a notification as to when we drop a podcast and get right up on it. And until next time, we're out. <laughs>